0: Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah
1: study. We are in Parsha Yitro. We are uh, Moshe and the people are gathered at uh, Har Sinai. They are gathered at Sinai uh, and they are hanging out when chapter 18 verse 1 happens.
0: Jethro, priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, God's people. Ayudevave had brought Israel out from Egypt. So Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after she had been sent home, and her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom, That is to say, I have been a stranger in a foreign land, and the other was named Eliezer, meaning my ancestor's god, <coughs> was my help delivering me from the sword of Pharaoh, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought Moses' son and wife to him in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you and your wife and her two sons. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed low and kissed him, each asked after the other's welfare, and they went
1: into the tent. Okay. Where did we last encounter Zipporah and Gershom and Eliezer? Where where did we last encounter them? She was traveling with Moses and her sons from Midian to Egypt. Correct. Close, close, close. And
2: <laughs>
1: So you're admitting that you hate, cheated. Okay. Um, so and and on that journey what happened? She circumcised her son. Mm-hmm. She, she, we had the bridegroom of blood incident. Mm-hmm. She circumcised, something's coming after one of her family. We don't know whom. She immediately takes out a flint knife and circumcises her son, touches the the foreskin to somebody's legs,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And says, you are a choten dam to me now. You are a bridegroom of blood, but then we translate bridegroom differently, but we... The, You can listen to that podcast another day. (laughs) That's the last we saw of Tzipora. So she was the daughter of the high priest of Midian. So we believe probably Tzipora knew what to do because she has some kind of cultic role, right? So she knows the ritual to perform. I mean, that's not something you just know how to do, right? And for for a mother to be ready to do it to her son, right? So... um, so we know something about Sipporah's got some kind of something and knew what to do and saved somebody's life. And that's it. So what do we assume from that? Where's Moses going at that point?
2: Back to Egypt.
1: Back to Egypt. Where we would expect where would we expect Sipporah to be? With Moses. <laughs> in in Egypt. And then we would have expected her to come out of Egypt with her family. Yes? That is not what we are told here. At some point, Zipporah is sent back home. We do not have that story. We are missing that story. Possibly it is the end of the, it is the true end of the bridegroom of blood story. Right? That there's more to that story that ends with Zipporah going back to Midian with her sons. Because here, Yitro is bringing Tsipura and her sons to meet Moshe in the desert. So we have lost the tradition that gives us where we're starting right now. Alright. So we we get now the the meaning of the names of his sons. Ger Sham. I was a Ger, a stranger. Mm-hmm. Sham. There. there. Mm-hmm. And Eli Ezer, my God is my literally my God Ezer is my help. <sighs> So these are the explanations of the of the names of Moshe's and Sephoras two sons. Yitro, Moshe's father-in-law, brought Moshe's sons and wife to him in the wilderness, right where he's encamped at the mountain of God, and sends word, as is polite to do, if you are a dignitary, it is not nice to surprise people and just show up, right? Empty-handed. It wasn't empty. Well, Moshe would have been the one expected to have something on hand, right? This is his father-in-law. That is a very lofty position in someone's life. But also, he is the high priest of Midian. In some sense, he is an ambassador from Midian. So it's not nice to just spring that on somebody and show up, you know. <laughs> Hi, me and my retinue, right, are, are here. Um, so he sends word. I'm coming to you with your wife and... Her two sons just
2: saying
1: just saying so is this a linguistic right, hint that there has been a schism between Moshe and Sipora that Sipora has been sent home maybe to maybe to protect her and the boys we don 't know, but right now the linguistic hint here is she 's coming with her two sons. C4's been living in Midian With her kids and Now they're going to go see Husband guy
0: It seems Baby strange daddy. to me Baby <laughs> daddy That they keep on repeating that Jethro Is his father-in-law yeah. It could have been said once <laughs> Right <laughs> Without having saying I'm Rosanna Dan. Right, Roseanne, Roseanne
1: Adana. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly Same So right a, too, lot of,
1: a lot of Stress on that relationship that he's chotno, right? He is the choten of of Moshe. Remember, we said chatan is only used about the in-law relationship. Chatan is not used by a person about their spouse. We think of Bo-Groom as chatan. Chatan's only used about in-laws, An in-law calls their calls their son in-law chatan. Right, but obviously you can also use it the other way because who is Yitro to Moshe? Chotno, his Choten. Right. Now I've thoroughly confused everyone. That
2: idea of would you take your son into the other room? <laughs> <good stress laughs> it <in> the families. <laughs> it's not mine; it's yours.
1: <laughs> so normally we see that when when there's an attempt at distancing right. by the person speaking, yes. right? right? Like when Moshe talks to God. Right. And, and God says, you know, your people, Moshe's like, uh yeah. my people. Right. right. You took this. Pe- right. So but here it's it's Yitro talking about Zipporah's sons and distancing them from Moshe. Yeah. But it's
2: definitely a, a, a schism.
1: So it's, it, that's what it's right. a lot of scholars want to point to. There's some story we're missing about a schism between Moshe and Zipporah. Somebody can write that midrash. Um, but until then, we're going to verse 8.
0: Moses then recounted to his father in law everything that Yudhei Vavhei had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had befallen them on the way, and how Yudhei Vavhei had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced over all the kindness that Yudhei Vavhei had shown Israel when delivering them from the Egyptians. Blessed be Yudhei Vavhei, Jethro said. Who delivered you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh, and who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now that I know that Yudhe Vavhe is greater than all gods, yes, by the result of their very schemes against the people. And Jethro, uh, Moses' father in law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, and Aaron came with all the en- elders of Israel to partake of the meal before God with Moses' father in law
1: the Midian priest. Yes. (laughs) Who's the father-in-law? Jethro. You're hilarious, Jonna. You're hilarious. So Moshe tells um, Yitro... (laughs) His father-in-law.
2: <laughs> in case we didn't know,
1: um, <laughs> everything that's happened in Egypt and everything that all the great things that we just had happened with plagues and splittings of seas and blah, blah, blah. so he tells him all of that. Then we have thirteen.
0: Next day, Moses sat at the <clears throat> sat as magistrate among the people, while the people stood about Moses from morning until evening. But when Moses, father-in-law, <laughs> <laughs> Saw how much uh, he had to do for the people. He said, what is this thing that you're doing to the people? Why do you act alone while all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses replied to his father-in-law, it's because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes before me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known the laws and teachings of God. But Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing you are doing is not right. You will surely wear yourself out, and these people as well, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You represent the people before God. You bring the disputes before God, and enjoin upon them the laws and the teachings, and make known to them the way they are to go, and the practices they are to follow. You shall also seek out from among all the people capable individuals who fear God, trustworthy ones who spurn ill-gotten gain. Set these over them as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Have them bring every major dispute to you, but let them decide every minor dispute themselves. Make it easier for yourself by letting them share the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, you will be able to bear up, and all these people too will go home unweary.
1: Okay. At this point in our narrative, M- M- Moshe and Zipporah and Yitro, everybody's groovy, everybody's hanging out together, it's all good. L- in later Israelite history, what happens with the Midianites? They become, mm-hmm. good. they become Nothing
0: enemies? Nothing
1: good. Nothing good. Nothing good. So they become enemies, uh, and that is the case for a long time in Israelite history, and actually comes to characterize the, Isra- the Israelite relationship with Midian. That attests to the ancientness of this narrative and to its likely origins in, in actual history because nobody later would make up a story that anyone would be expected to buy about Midian having been the origin of the Israelite judicial system, right? No, they wouldn't write that story unless it has some, say scholars, um, unless it has some kernel of historical truth to it. That at one point, there was a leader in Israel who had a good relationship with a leader of Midian and it is that Midianite leader who sets up the entire secular judiciary of the early Israelites so notice this is not about tribes right usually what do we see when we're talking about leaders all of the Nisi'im the Right, the leaders, the officers of the tribes come forward, right? Because it's a federation. It's a loose, early Israel, remember, is a loose federation of 12 groups. So we see a representative from each one of those groups that comes forward to, to make any kind of big decision. There is no mention of tribes here. This is a supra-tribal structure, what we're seeing here. It's a prophet and a priest. So this is this right right now it it's it's how are things adjudicated So Yitro sees that Moshe is the only one adjudicating So what does that it, that is not in Yitro's mind a good situation It's not good for Moshe because It's too much. That's kind of like newsflash from the Department of Duh, right? Like, (laughs) it's too much for one person, of course. But the other thing that Intro says is it's not good for them, because you think you're the only one who can do this, Mister Busy. They have to stand in line all day. (laughs) This is not good for the people. Yes, it's going to wear you out. Burnout is is a certainty. With this system. But more than that, it's not fair to the people. It's not good that the people can only access some sense of just getting justice with one person.
2: And also to individuate and problem solve for for themselves.
1: Well, now what's going to happen is UTRO says you should be smaller cases that are simple to adjudicate, right? You have a court. Of ten, then the court for fifty, then the court for a thousand, right? So, in other words, you start in your local court, in the county courthouse, right? And if they can't figure it out, then it goes to the city court. If they can't deal with it, it goes to the state level, and only after that does it go right to the federal level. And if and if it's really, really, really difficult to figure out, then it goes to the Supreme Court. Moshe is the Supreme Court, is what Yitro is saying. You have access to God whose law you're interpreting, which is interesting, we haven't been given the law yet. Yeah. So what do the rabbis say? We haven't we haven't gotten revelation yet. How does Moshe know what, what to do? No before and after. And char Betorah, there's no early or late in Torah, God forbid. You shouldn't think this is a history book. You can move things around? And of course, it's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe knew the Torah. And isn't it, you know, if he's doing everything alone, isn't that setting up a situation like Pharaoh, a dictator? It's not. So, I think absolutely, Yitro is is aware that it's a bad model on so many levels. Not the least of which is that it. He's trying to democratize on some level the judiciary and share. Have other people share in the responsibility, but also in the dignity of interpreting the law. All right.
0: Is this post-tribal now? There are no tribes involved at all. It's just Egyptian Israelites.
1: No, there are tribes because they're going to be they? They're going to be arranged how to how to camp, how to set up the tabernacle, how to take it down. Where everybody is is all by tribes.
0: But does Moses represent a tribe among tribes?
1: What's his tribe?
0: What is his
1: tribe? Oh come on. There went out a man from Levy. It has to be Levy. What other tribe could he be from? Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be Levy.
2: Well,
1: what his brother did for a living? Yeah. Right? His brother is chief Levy. Mm-hmm. Right? He's the high priest. <laughs> Moshe has to come from the priestly tribe. He just has to. Right? You can't have the leader, the prophet, you know, in this case, the prophet and leader, coming from another tribe.
2: So
1: Kohan is the the priestly tribe? It's not a tribe. Kohain is a clan within Levi. Okay. Levi's the tribe. Mm -hmm. Aaron is a Levite. Aaron's a Levi. He's lifted up to be Kohain, priest. All of the Kohanim will descend from Aaron. All priests, all Kohanim are Levites, not all Levites are Kohanim. I need an org chart for this. I, I seriously I think I have to research. <laughs> Is that new? <laughs> Is yeah. it? Okay, yeah, good to know. Right, so the tribe of Levi produces Miriam, Aaron, and Moshe, who are siblings. Amram and Yocheved are Levites. They have these three children. All of the Kohanim will descend from Aaron. Okay. Right? The priests will descend from Aaron.
2: While we're on the tribes, most of you already know about the glasses up at the top there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the 12 tribes represented by the stones. And the star of David in the sanctuary, the 12 tribes by color. And the plaques on the end of the pews, the 12 tribes.
1: There you go. All right. Right. I, want to, I want to make sure we, we get going. Um, all right. So Moshe, being a good listener and willing to grow and learn, at verse 24, right, he heeds his father-in-law and did exactly as he said. He chose capable people and appointed them heads, chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And so they judged all those people then Moshe bids farewell to Chotno, his father-in-law and and now we see the exit of Yitro. He goes back to Midian to his life. He has to go back to work.
0: Is Midian today's Jordan? Is that where it was?
1: Mm, where it oh was? no, no, I have to look at the I'd have to look at the map. Um, Okay, go on, Bert.
0: On the third new moon after the Israelites had gone forth from the land of Egypt, on that very day, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. Having journeyed from Rephidim, they entered the wilderness of Sinai and encamped in the wilderness. Israel encamped there in front of the mountain, and Moses went up to God. Yudhe Vavhe called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and declare to the children of Israel You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. How I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Now then, if you will obey me faithfully and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. Indeed, all the earth is mine, but you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of
2: Israel. Keep going.
0: Moses came and some of the elders of the people and put before them all that yud heh had commanded him. All the people answered as one, saying... All that Yithjaveh has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back the people's words to Yithjaveh and Yithjaveh said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. Then Moses reported the people's words to Yithjaveh and Yithjaveh said to Moses, go to the people and warn them to stay pure today and tomorrow, let them wash their clothes, let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, yud Vavhe vav will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. You shall set bounds for the people round about, saying, Beware of going up the mountain or touching the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death, without being touched, by being either stoned or shot. Beast or person, a trespasser shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain.
1: So we're getting the introduction to Revelation, right? Ashlishi on the third uh, new moon, after they come out of Eretz Mitzrayim Ba Bar Sinai. on that day they come to um, Sinai. They come to Har Sinai. So God talks to Moshe and, and summons Moshe and says, "Here's what I want you to tell the Israelites." You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. So this is, right, very um, beautiful and, and popular and beloved imagery, right, that God bears Israel on God's pinions. And if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. You will be, what's the Hebrew? Um, Segula'ah. But it's interesting. It doesn't so say, I'm um, here.
2: right.
1: right. It just says, li segula. you will be to me segula. And we know this word from Akkadian. In Akkadian, means uh, a, an extraordinarily valuable possession. So God says, if you come into relationship with me, if you keep the covenant, the covenantal relationship with me, you will now be segula. My treasured possession. The
2: chosen people. The
1: chosen people. Ah, different word. Right? What's the word for chosen? Bachar. (sharp) Asher Bachar Banu Mikoha Amin, who chose us from among all the people, right? So that's Bachira. That's about Bachar. That's about God choosing. This is about if we're in a covenantal relationship, you become, just by virtue of that, you become to me Sigula. George is not buying it.
0: you brush up
1: on your account. So, in other words, Bachar Banu is God doing the action. Here it seems it's Israel who's doing the action. If Israel keeps the covenant, they become Segula to God. Right, and the and the other language we're talking about, God chooses. Right, this is not an unconditional love. No. This is not an unconditional <laughs> relationship, relationship by any stretch of the imagination. It is a
2: partnership.
1: It is a partnership, which empowers the people. Um, so this is so this is a partnership, and. <laughs> And by coming in, and this is why the covenant is understood to be a loving act by God, because God agrees to conditions too. Mm-hmm. We don't usually talk about that, we don't usually focus on that, right? But God agrees to have conditions placed on God by coming into relationship with the people.
2: So, where does the Bakar come from? That, that notion.
1: So, there's lots of different notions in the Torah. One is being amsegula. One is God chose us to be in relationship.
2: And have we come across that already? The bakar bakar
1: no. I want to say it's rabbinic. There's a difference also. I want to say it's rabbinic
0: between choosing to be in a relationship if we choose to be in that relationship
2: and, and one one a one-sided,
0: one-sided choosing. Say that again. There's a difference between saying if you if i will choose to be in a relationship with you and then that's one thing it's a different thing to say by the way i choose you no matter what yes. which i think is at least not what this says here it's not right not what this says okay. here
1: and, and baharbanu never meant, i choose you mm-hmm. it it's always meant i choose to be in relationship to you mm-hmm. here's what that looks like yeah. Right? Like, uh, we get the terms set out pretty clearly what being in relationship with the divine looks like. And then God promises, you know, I will protect you. What what are the conditions on God? What will God do if we keep the covenant? Do you remember? The second paragraph of the Shema, third paragraph of the Shema. All your fields will grow. Yeah. There'll be rain in its season. Your kneading baskets will overflow. Your trees will produce fruit. Your animals will produce little animals. They, they, they right? God, God agrees to conditions. Yeah. I will make all these things happen on your behalf if you keep the laws. The covenant is about loyalty, and it's about. Behavior and it's about law. Okay, a very common, um, a very common theme and word and arrangement in the ancient Near East. A con- we've talked about this. A conquering king comes in and cuts a covenant with the people the king has conquered.
2: It's a contract.
1: It's a contract. The conquering king says, by virtue of the fact that I beat you up and I could destroy you if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. If you want to be in a covenantal relationship with me. Uh oh, George, George is having trouble yeah, now. You is that
2: the Holocaust is then clearly because the Jewish people, well, that's didn't
0: different. Follow the rules.
1: Of course. Every calamity that befalls the Jewish people is because they didn't keep the covenant. Of course. According to
0: the story. For a fundamentalist.
1: For a fundamentalist, there's no other explanation. Because God is just, and God is good, so has to be our fault. Has to be.
2: And
1: all the pla- Although, I mean, there there is movement within things like Kabbalah. There is movement towards the idea that we don't understand everything, and this m- movement towards the mystery of the sitra achra the other side and about hester panim god's god's face being turned away and hidden there starts to be movement towards there's the possibility of evil that's not necessarily just right that's not punishment there there does you do see that in early kabbalah and certainly in later kabbalah so there, so there is there is movement within the tradition towards this idea that there's 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 evil that God doesn't exactly control. Exactly. Okay. But both ideas but but certainly there remains a strong strain of if God is all powerful, all knowing and all good, we must have deserved it somehow. That stays. So, so now we're going to get the now we're going to get the ceremony, right? What's involved in a covenanting ceremony? You
2: have to have witnesses.
1: You have to have people there, mm-hmm. right? The parties involved have to be there, right?
0: They have to identify have to themselves.
1: To I don't know that you have to be clean.
0: Well, it
2: says purity. Yeah,
1: this is for this case. This is for the people getting revelation because God's going to come down on the mountain and God's going to get close and when God gets close, you better be clean. That's, I don't know that when Abraham cuts a covenant, he needs to be pure. I don't know that that's true. So, so no, I'm going to say no, that's not a condition. Both people have to be there. Both parties to the covenant have to be there. You have to know what the covenant says i can't agree as a vassal conquered queen to your demands as the conquering king if i don't know what the terms are how can i be held accountable if i don't know the terms so we're gonna get god setting out the terms right all right so god's got to show up the people have to show up the people's representative has to really show up right and we'll get the, the terms of the covenant, and then everybody can have a
2: nice meal together. You have to make sure you have eight lawyers to make sure
1: mm-hmm. you... Yeah. <laughs> Don't go. So, not even <laughs> a joke.
2: The people do have to respond. Accept.
1: Yes, the people, and the people have to accept. Absolutely. Okay, so let's see what happens.
0: Moses came down from the mountain to the people and warned the people to stay pure, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people... Be ready for the third day. The men among you should not go near a woman. On the third day as morning dawned, there was thunder and lightning and a dense cloud upon the mountain and a very loud blast of the horn, and all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp toward God, and they
1: took their places at the foot of the mountain. All right. Now, some people want to freak out about don't go near a woman. Some mm-hmm. feminist scholars want to freak out. I just don't think it's that big a deal. If you're supposed to be pure, you're not supposed to have sexual intercourse. Mm. Sexual intercourse is one of the most defiling things. That's not a bad thing. We've talked about this a million times. Impurity is not bad. Impurity is not a bad thing. But in this case, you have to be Tahor. You have to be pure. All right, so no sex. That's just a big old duh. Where some people flip out on it is, well, then obviously God is talking to the men. Right, because your translation fixed it.
0: (laughs) What does your translation say? It says in bracket, be ready for the third day, bracket.
1: Bracket, meaning it's not there in the
0: Hebrew. The bracket, the men among them, close bracket. You should not go near a woman.
1: Exactly, because what does the Hebrew say? Verse 16, And and on the third day, oh no, am I in the wrong place? 15. And and Moshe says to the people, Hey be ready. For three days. el Isha. Don't go near a woman. Or don't you know be to be in contact with a woman. So this is where people go crazy. Is that okay, well who's the Am? Who's the people? Obviously if it says to the people don't go near a woman, the people is men. <coughs> And the women are left out of that That God was talking And is talking to men
2: It wouldn't be the first
1: time It would not be the first time And the other thing is There's no reason to believe That it's saying anything other than Men of the people Don't have sexual intercourse With your wives Because when the actual thing happens The actual revelation happens It's to, It's for all the people So I don't know why we would have variant, I mean, like we always have variant traditions stuck up against each other, but I just, I don't know, I've maybe I'm not bothered enough.
2: Could it just refer to the fact that some women could be impure, so don't go near them? They might be menstruating. I don't think so, no, no,
1: that? I don't think so. Could be no.
2: about
0: distraction?
1: Yes, for sure. For sure it's about distraction. And for, there's so many midrashim about these three days. There's so many midrashim about the night before. There's a midrash that they actually slept through it. I mean, there's all there, Aviva Zorenberg has amazing stuff on this that maybe the people actually don't want revelation. Yeah. Right? There's all kinds of great midrashim about this. Um, but surely it's about distraction and it's about separating yourself out and making yourself ready for the encounter. With uh, the wizard. <laughs> you're about <laughs> to pull back the curtain. Right? You're about to go before the great Oz.
2: <laughs>
1: Be ready. You can't just show up like you're going to you know, eat a bologna sandwich. You're, you're about to confront the ultimate. Get your head on straight. Focus. You know, they have this in many sporting events. You're not supposed
2: to have sex first however many days if you're playing
1: an important game. Yeah, because if it's something important, you need to be focused.
0: All right, And this applies to the women as well, because the men in that society dominated the women. Correct. So another reading of this could be, leave the women alone, let them be
1: themselves, don't create a situation where you're, where you're lording over them. I, I think that's absolutely possible, because that's why it's directed to the men. Leave them mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. Right. The women will be fine with three they, days with you, you not touching here. them. Right. They're fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Truly. <laughs> right, women in the ancient world who menstruate like three right. times a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Now Mount, now, Mount Sinai was all in smoke. For Yudhe Vavhe had come down upon it in fire. The smoke rose like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled violently. The blare of the horn grew louder and louder. And Moses spoke, as Moses spoke, God answered him in thunder. Ydhayvave came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and Ydhayvave called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Ydavave said to Moses, "Go down, warn the people not to break through to Ydhavaveh to gaze, lest many of them perish. The priests also who come near Ydhavave must stay pure, lest Ydhavave break out against them." But Moses said to Vaveh, "The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai if you have warned us by saying, Set bounds upon the mountain and sanctify it. So Yudevave said to him, Go down and come back together with Aaron, but let not the priests of the people break through to come up to Vaveh, lest God break out against them And Moses went down to the people and spoke to them, okay so um,
1: we have Har Sinai, God's gonna come down on Har Sinai. So it's about to be supercharged, right? And so the, if there's Ashan, there's smoke, right? And God's gonna come down, how? How's Yudhavet gonna come down? Ba'esh, in fire. Okay, right. So we've got smoke, where there's smoke,
2: there's... <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we've got
1: smoke, we've got, God says God's gonna come down in fire, and the whole mountain is charad, is shaking. shaking, trembling, violently, right? So it's way shaking. shofar <laughs> <laughs> meod, right? And we have a shofar, and it is getting stronger, chazak <laughs> meod. It's getting really chazak, really strong, and. Moshe spoke and God answers Moshe. What does your translation say? In thunder. <inaudible> Moshe yedaber. Moshe speaks, by Elohim, b'kol. With his voice. With his voice. Does not say thunder. <inaudible> does not say thunder. Moshe speaks and God answered <inaudible> him b'kol. <inaudible> with voice. <inaudible> Interesting. Because if you're going to deal with human beings generally you need to speak to them if you want them to do something if you want them to understand something generally you have to speak to them right and certainly that is our understanding about our relationship with God it's about words God creates how does God create light via he or God says light exists God could clap God's hands God could have done jumping jacks, (laughs) right? God speaks the world into existence. Light exists, and it existed, right? So speech is foundational to everything. For the rabbis, the whole world is created through the Hebrew language. The whole world is created when, when God looks through the Torah and creates the world. God looks through words to create the world. All right. So it's critical. Speech is critical. That's the. Re- that's how the relationship is going to be mitigated. Is through speech and words. By and, and, and there, there's reasons people translate this as thunder. I'm not suggesting the scholars don't know what they're doing. God forbid. Um, but but it's open to interpretation because we're going to see coal in a minute, and it is going to have something to do with lightning and thundering and whatever. All right. adonai alhar sinai. And Yudhe Vavhe comes down onto Har Sinai, El Rosh Hahar, onto the head, the top of the mountain. So God calls to Moshe, El Roshahar to come up to the top of the mountain, but Moshe, and Moshe goes up. Now we're gonna see God says, go down. And then Moshe says something to God, and God says, go down. So did Moses not not listen to God and not go down the first time? This is where we're starting to get all the up and down and up and down and up Mm -hmm. and down and smoke. And shofar, who's blowing the shofar? Is someone blowing the shofar? Does the shofar just start sounding by itself? Right, so, and how does it get louder and louder and louder? Like, so... Lots of confusion, lots of language It's twisted back on itself It is not bad editing It is the way, as we talked about I believe last week It's the way the author is communicating That this is not a normal experience This is not, you know, and he turned left at the traffic light And then he went to the stop sign and he slowed down Because it was a school zone Right? It, this, it's just all kind of a mess Because this is pointing to the ineffable it's pointing to what actually can't be talked about, can't be described. But we have to try, because we're humans. So we're gonna use language. But the, but the author makes sure the language is is not usual and straightforward, and here's what happened, and here's what happened, and here's what happened, okay? So it gets very confusing, but that's okay so it's very clear now we're getting the introduction of this idea first time we're seeing it not the first time it it was absolutely pervaded the ancient Near East this idea right that there's, there's a difference between the cultic and the regular and there are rules we've talked about them a lot and we're gonna get to them a lot again when we get to Leviticus right there's There's laws and rules about how you behave at cultic sites and in cultic moments and in certain cultic behavior-like ritual. There's just rules, right? So we go back to our idea of the nuclear power plant, right? If you're going to come into contact with the nuclear power plant, you'd better be ready or terrible things are going to happen. And it doesn't mean that nuclear energy is bad, although we could have that discussion. Right? It doesn't mean it's bad, it means it's powerful. And it's so powerful, it can kill you and will if you are not prepared and don't follow the right steps and sequences, it will fry you on the spot. That, that's as close as I can get to the understanding of yud heh vav in this kind of a situation. God doesn't want to kill anybody, Mm -hmm. right? This is the angry, wrathful Mm guy. No, God is trying to prevent anybody from dying Mm -hmm. by saying, don't go into that area over there. It's full of radiation and you don't have a suit. (laughs) Don't do it. Now it's up to the people to believe that and not do it. So God is warning them, they can't come onto the mountain until, right, they get the all clear. Because God is just too much for human beings to encounter and survive. So God is lovingly warning them, don't come near the mountain. Now this is where, when he was auditioning, Rabbi Hyman took issue with that. (laughs) Because he said, surely you will be put to death. Right, That it isn't that they touch the mountain and it's supercharged and so they die. That they would be executed. He's not here.
2: <laughs>
1: so I would say, <laughs> while that's true, we get that they're going to be, if they, if they breach it, they're going to be killed. What, remember it said stoning or whatever. Just don't touch them. You have, to, you have to execute them in a way that you don't have... Co- you don't have contact with them, you can't strangle them, right? Because now you've touched them. I believe that still points to because they have encroached. Remember we talked about encroachment? Because they've encroached, they now have brought upon themselves a condition that is incurable. They broached, they breached the containment wall and now now they are a liability to everybody. They have to be executed. They have to be put down. There's there's no other option. They'll contaminate everybody.
2: Well, I'm, I'm wondering,
0: uh, especially the use of the word, I'm not going to break through. I'm just wondering
2: whether they break through and nothing happens, and the entire foundational myth rumbles, So that don't test the myth. You may die in a different kind of way. You may die
1: spiritually. So surely that is part, it has to be part of the origin of that practice, right? Is maybe God won't do it, but God has authorized us to do it on God's behalf,
0: right? Coming from a different direction, there's a hint of what's to come because God says, go down and tell them not to come. And Moses says, well, wait a minute, I already told them. Which is strange. Right. So, but basically, but, but basically God is saying, no, telling them once is not enough. God seems to already be suspecting that the Israelites are not listening. What? <laughs> as we will see. As, but they're, they're, it's like the beginning.
1: All right. Okay, so 20. God spoke all these words saying,
0: I am Yuhayvhe, I vav Vavhe, am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods beside me. You shall not make for yourself a sculptured image or any likeness of what is in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. for I, your God, vav Vavhe, am an impassioned God visiting the guilt of the parents upon the children upon the 3rd and upon the 4th generations of those who reject me but showing kindness to the 1000th generation of those who love me and keep my commandments you shall not swear falsely by the name of your god yhwh for your yhwh will not clear one who swears falsely by god's name remember the sabbath day and keep it holy 6 days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath of your God, yud Hey vav shall you shall do n- not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, or your cattle or the stranger who's within your settlements. For in six days yud Hey made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, and then rested on the seventh day. Therefore yud Hey blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that you may long endure on the land that your God, your is assigning to you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor male nor female slave, nor ox, nor ass, nor anything that is your neighbor's.
1: Okay. That seems pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to go on to 15, actually.
0: All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the blare of the horn, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they fell back and stood at a distance. You speak to us, they said to Moses, and we will obey. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. Moses answered the people, be not afraid. For God has come only in order to test you, and in order that the fear of God may be ever with you, so that you do not go astray. So the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was.
1: So we get the Aserata de Brot. We get the seven... I mean the seven. It was a late night. So we get the... Aseret ha-dibrot, we get the, so God is speaking all of these divarim, all of these things all of these words there's no difference in Hebrew between thing and word for thing thing and word for thing are the same thing davar right? davar is a thing and davar is a word pointing to a thing So God speaks these 10 fill in the blank. Is God speaking 10 things or is God speaking 10 statements, words, right? So you can't pick one of those. They're both there. But it is not the 10
0: commandments.
1: It is not the 10 commandments. It's 10 things that God says. In the reform tradition, ten suggestions. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> the first thing God says, Anochi Adonai Elohecha, Asher Ticha Me Mitzrayim Avadim. The first thing anybody who's cutting a covenant needs to say is, Why do I get to draw you into a covenant? I conquered you. I won. You're mine. I get to put conditions on you so that you get to continue to live. That's a covenant. The conquering king sets the terms. And it starts with, I am Queen Amy. I won. Therefore, I offer you this covenant this day. That's what, that's what this is. Anochi Adonai Elohecha. I am yud heh your God. I took you out of Egypt. Out of the house of servitude. That's, that's why I get to say what the terms are. Right? That you have to have that at the opening of a covenant. You have to. Or it's not a covenant. So when people go, why is the first commandment, I am your God? Because it's not a commandment. It is God putting forth why God gets to be the one cutting this covenant with the people Israel. Israel. Alright, so then we go through a bunch of these. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Any questions? Uh, Honor your father and your mother. Notice it doesn't say love Love. them. Does not say you have to like them, either. Does not say you have to live with them. Says you have to show them kavod. Mm -hmm. You must Honor them. You must respect them, meaning you must treat them in the ways that would be line up with somebody you respected. This is not about feelings. This is about behavior. You must show them respect. So that means they have to be fed, they have to have clothes, they have to have shelter, right? You know, you have to you have to behave towards them in the ways that are expressive of kavod, of honor and respect, particularly in old age. It does not say that. You shall not commit adultery. Duh. You shall not steal. Duh. You shall not bear false witness because then a society falls apart. Duh. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or covet your neighbor's wife. Always bad. <laughs> Always really bad. Right? Or their slate or anything they have because once you start coveting, what are you actually saying?
2: I'm going
1: to try to get it. Or if I covet it, it says you don't really deserve it. Right, because right, coveting's about I want it. And that begins a whole mess of stuff.
2: Just backing up a little bit to verse six. You said they're not commandments, and why is there commandments here in verse six? It says it says, And keep my commandments.
1: Because we're gonna get a bunch of commandments. We're about to get a ton of commandments. God's about to reveal Torah. I was
2: confused. You said earlier, here's where he's given the ten things or the things, and they're not commandments, but it says here they include
1: commandments. They are not 10 commandments. They are 10 statements. Some of those statements are commandments. How
2: do you know which is which?
1: You shall not steal is not. Wh- wh- how else would you understand that? And
2: which is a thing? You said he's saying these, these things.
1: Okay, what's, I'm not sure what the confusion is. Some of the statements that God makes are commandments. We can state a question. We can state a theory. We can state philosophy. We can state a commandment. God makes 10 statements, some of which the flavor of those statements are commandments. Mm-hmm. All I was saying is there are not 10 commandments. That's not what they're called. If you want to see them as 10 commandments, which the rabbis love to do and play with it, how do you break them up? What does it mean? How do we get 10? Actually, there's 12. Like, you know, and we get a different set in the book of Deuteronomy. All I'm saying is you know what I love to do in this room is blow up what everybody always says without thinking about it. And we always hear ten commandments, ten commandments, ten commandments. It's not aseret hamitzvot; it's aseret hadibrot. I just want us to be accurate in our language. Do they include kind of the big lessons about what's okay and what's not okay in behavior? Absolutely. God just the Torah just doesn't call them ten commandments. Okay. So also the other one I want to clarify is thirteen. Because this is where people say all the time, thou shalt not... Ha! ha! That's exactly right, Sheldon. People say, thou shalt not kill. Not here. It's not here. Of course you have to kill. Duh, like you live in the ancient Near East. You, you're going to be killing a lot. So that you don't get killed. Right? So it's low... Tirzach, You shall not murder. There is a huge difference. Right. You're not going to steal. You're not going to bear false witness. We did all that. we got Shabbat. Yes. All right. And why, why Shabbat? Why do we have to do Shabbat?
2: Because God. Because he declared
1: it. When because in six, days, in six God days, God created. it. Yes, God declares it. But why? Remember Shabbat and keep it holy. Six days. Uh, the seventh day. Why? For God Rest. did Malacha, did the work of creation for six days, and then, he and then God did Shabbat. <laughs> so you are to live in the imitation of the divine always. And one of the ways you do that is that you also labor for six days, and you also do Shabbat. Okay, And Shabbat is, you do Shabbat. Right? And it's already happened by the way, that it's been kadoshed. Holified. It's whole it's holified. Exactly. It's holified already. You you don't make it holy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? We often talk about sanctifying mm-hmm. the sh- the Sabbath. Sort of. <laughs> right? Shabbat is already kadosh. You must act in relationship to Kadosh the way you're supposed to be around Kadosh. Right? You, you can participate in it or not, but it is set aside. It is already its own...
2: It's
1: already holy. It's already holy. Exactly right. And, and you know my problem with holy. All right. So, all the people saw the thunder and the lightning. Okay, how does that happen? V'chol ha'am ro'im Rita, why is this a challenge? V'chol... Ha'am ro'im et ha'kolot we
2: don't see voices
1: all the people saw the voices kol's voice so this is why they want to translate it as lightning right that we or or whatever we had what, thunder or whatever right so still you don't see thunder no. right so clearly this is another example of the ways that it's messy yeah, that this is not normal. The people saw the collo- Like, what does that even mean? They saw voices. They saw thunder.
2: But it could also be perceived. What, roim could be sort of perceived.
1: I don't know that in Biblical Hebrew. I'd have to think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd have to think about it. And I don't know. And I don't know why they'd use roim here. Right? Like, I, it, it still. Do, it's not the best word. To use. But I have to think about per, perception. Torah, though,
2: we... yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard yeah. this
1: translated as
0: saw the thunder and heard the lightning. Yes. Which gives mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, of, that it's, the... that that it's super. I don't want to say supernatural. Yeah. It yeah. is.
2: Out of the ordinary. As yeah. out
1: yeah. of the ordinary as one can possibly get.
2: Is that the same word that was used when Moses asked to see God's face? In... Yes. And he says, you pass by me, and you will see. Because exactly you can't
1: see my face, v'chai, and live. So yes, this is the same word. Where it seems to be, Moshe wants to see. Does Moshe want to do that in order to better perceive? Of course, right? But it's, but it's literally to see.
2: Look how powerful the language is in the structure of this whole story. Mm-hmm. And I suspect in every myth of every Yes. language
1: is so important yeah alright so they see all this business they're freaking out uh, right uh, and, and then what, what, what happens and when the people saw it mm. right, they fell back and stood at a distance you speak to us they said to Moshe and we will obey but let not God speak to us lest we die right Emotion saying, No, that God's not here to scare you exactly, but <laughs> sort of, <laughs> right? <'Cause, laughs> so that uh, you, you know, my problem with the word fear. Um, mm. I, I really think it should be awe yeah. here, mm. right? That you know, that in order that you should be in awe of God, yes, with a little fear, mm-hmm. so that you don't mess up. Mm-hmm. Right. If there's no consequence, if there's no fear of anything happening right we tend not to want to do the right thing all the time so so yes god wants you to be in awe but not god's not coming after you right now that's going to happen a few chapters later all right so but they say we we can't listen we can't we can't do this so the the rabbis ask well at what point during the 10 utterances did they say this when exactly did they say you talk to us, stop god, stop god we don 't want to hear from God anymore it 's freaking us out you You tell us, so at what point is it after the ten utterances well if god 's finished talking, why are they saying you go you talk to us, not God, so a lot of people want to say this happened during God talking. Well, if it happened during God saying the ten utterances when, when? so so I'm giving you the sources that say when. <laughs> I think. Uh, Maybe not. The
2: commandments mm-hmm. up after The, the toilet does not have ten commandments in it. I'm sorry? Sir, it does not have the Ten Commandments in the process made up after the...
1: Yeah. No, these are what people call the Ten Commandments.
2: Well, they're, they're things, yes, but they don't... you are even calling them utterances. Right. That's the question. So the concept of the Ten Commandments... is <laughs> yes. yes, yes,
1: yes. <laughs> All right, so... I thought I gave you the source, but I didn't. I gave you lots of sources, but. um, So the, an early rabbinic tradition says the people heard only the first two statements. That's an early rabbinic tradition that what did the people hear? They only heard the first two things. I know, I'm Adonai, your God, who took you out of Egypt, out of the house of, of Pharaoh. Um, you will not be in relationship to anyone, therefore, but me. I'm the only one who has any claim on your allegiance. Right? Because I saved you. All right if what they hear is their first two statements. Uh, and Richard Rajay bought me a whole thing of new markers and
2: somebody else
1: that are in my office, of course. All right, so... So if what they're hearing is only the first two, there's another tradition, there is a Hasidic tradition, a later, so we have early rabbinic, then we go to Hasidism, late, right? Big span between them. They hear the first two is an early rabbinic tradition. By the time we have Hasidism, the, the Hasidic tradition says, don't think they heard the first two utterances. Rather, they heard just the beginning of the first utterance and they flipped out. Just the beginning of number one and they lost it and said, stop. Right? So the beginning of the first one is Anochi. Right? This is the very first word of the first statement Anochi, I. All right, so the Torah, you know, has no vowels, right? So we read here Anochi because we have the vowels under the Aleph, we have this vowel, and we have this vowel. So we know to say Anochi, we have the vowels. But if you're reading in a Torah scroll, you don't have any vowels. So if you don't have any vowels, how do I say this letter? don't. It has no sound. Mm-hmm. So what does the Hasidic tradition, what is the Hasidic tradition trying to say?
2: That it's a vibration of energy that
1: you sense. That all the people got in terms of revelation right. was silence.
2: Silence.
1: silence. silence. But it's not silence, it's <laughs> or, or is it <laughs> silence? Right. So this, right. So this is the Hasidic push on. Don't think silence is empty. Silence is not empty. Silence is pregnant with revelation. The only way, says the Hasidic tradition, that you can experience revelation and it's happening when when is revelation happening hayom today, today. cuz god says i speak to you hayom today the rabbi say revelation's always happening god is always calling from sinai you can't possibly receive what god has to say until you shut up until you stop talking Stop talking and stop talking in here. There's no possibility for us to receive Torah until we get quiet. This is the brilliance of the Hasidic tradition. We're a people that's about words. That, that's who we are. We're about Devarim. It's true and our relationship to understanding the divine and what it demands of us yes is through statements and words and wrestling with those words and loving those words and picking them apart and moving them around yes and none of that will bring us to MS will bring us to truth unless and until we return to the olive till we return to silence